You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Welcome, Colts fans, to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast on another glorious victory Monday. My name is Joe Hopkins. Joining me via the internet is Mike Chappell. Uh, Dave Griffiths, who is uh, on the Thursday show, will not be joining us today. Uh, we will recap the Colts' win over the Chicago Bears, discuss takeaways from the game. There's uh, several things to talk about that kind of stood out this week. Um, and Mike and I will name our offensive and defensive players of the week. But first, we start with a bit of quick news. Wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a podcast in 2020 without a little bit of COVID talk. Um, ESPN's Adam Schefter reported today that for the first time in seven days, the Tennessee Titans had no positive COVID-19 tests. Uh, the Titans have had 18 positive tests over the last six days, Schefter reported. Um, this is good news for them in hoping to play next week against the Buffalo Bills. Of course, if you haven't heard, they had their game against the Pittsburgh Steelers rescheduled to October 25th after some positive tests. Uh, a little more COVID impactful news. The Chiefs and Patriots game is going to be played tonight on CBS is where you can watch that. Um, there were overnight COVID tests that came back negative this morning, Monday morning, and that's reported by ESPN once again. The game was originally supposed to be played Sunday, but uh, Cam Newton tested positive for COVID-19, so that kind of changed some things. And if I wanted to make sure that there weren't more players who might come up with a positive test you can watch that game at 7.05 Eastern time tonight, again on CBS 4. And, Mike, I love these doubleheader Monday night football weeks. Yeah, just not for this reason. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tell you, I wish they would have. As much as I like to have them both, I wish that one wasn't starting. Is it 8.50? Yeah, I, I mean, think dude, the Falcons I mean, and Packers start at 8.50. So we're looking at another late night, which – if I had willpower, I wouldn't do that, but I'll, I'll sit and watch it and fall asleep. But uh, two, two good games, and it's just too bad it's for this reason. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, you know, we'll all wish the best for Cam Newton. Hopefully he has a speedy recovery, feels little to no symptoms, and can back, get back out there on the field as soon as possible. The game um, between two, you know, teams expected to be top teams in the AFC does have playoff implications um, so however that one turns out tonight will probably impact the Colts if they continue to win. Um, their third game in a row in Chicago it's on Sunday. Um, and it was it was not the prettiest game, at least on the offensive side of the ball. But the defense was great. The Bears got the ball first. And after a quick stop by the defense, rookie Jordan Glasgow blocked the Chicago punt, setting up Indianapolis at the 47 and I mean, that's exactly why general manager Chris Ballard drafted this guy, specifically for his special teams prowess, and he's already making an impact, Mike. Yeah, and again, like you say, they're very clear when they drafted him that he could core special teams player because they kept six linebackers going into the season, which you just don't do. So, uh, and then later in the game, he just plastered Patterson on a return. So, that's what you want now. You know, how, how many special teams guys you can carry? He and Doolin and uh, and all that. But when you see plays like that, th those are game changers. So good for the young kid, and hopefully he keeps doing that. Absolutely. And the Colts, uh, with that first drive they had, 
marched down the field, two Zach Pascal receptions of 11 and 36 yards, eventually set up a 13-yard Mo Alley-Cox touchdown, his second touchdown in two weeks. Big Mo's earning himself a new contract after this season. Yeah, we keep seeing how he's developing and emerging and this, that, and the other, and and we're seeing week to week. And what's really going to be interesting is how they do with, you know, they got Trey Burton back with, with Jack is how do they find time, find snaps for three guys? Uh, you've got to keep Mo involved. He just makes too many plays. It, it's not like, oh, that, that was a surprise. Now it's not a surprise. So they, they've got a real weapon in him. And uh, yeah, uh, it, it'd be really cool to see an undrafted rookie who, who signed as an undrafted rookie uh, basketball get that second contract uh, sort of like Jack Doyle. <laughs> That's right. You know, won't be long. he keeps making plays week after week and won't be long before you start to say is Mo Alley Cox the Colts tight end one. I mean, we're certainly not there yet. Jack Doyle's missed several weeks, but if he keeps this up, he's going to start the conversation. Um, after that touchdown, there were four straight punts, two by the Colts, two by the Bears. Um, and then the Bears managed a nine play, 84 yard drive that start stalled at the Colts nine yard line. Um, the Bears then got a field goal to make it 73, seven to three, but the Colts would answer. They had a 63 yard drive, but Mike, I mean, this would be a reoccurring theme in the game. The Colts had first and goal at Chicago's four and had to settle for a field goal. I mean, I believe it, it was almost intercepted off of the, the tipped pass there. Um, you know, the first field goal of the game, and we can talk more as we kind of recap the game here, but this is going to happen again and again. The Colts defense enforces the three and out. Indianapolis gets the ball um, with about two minutes left in the half. March down and set up a first and goal at the 10 with a minute left and another Rodrigo Blankenship field goal is what they have to settle for. Um, this time it's 13 to three at the half. And, you know, it's great that Rodrigo's hitting his kicks, but you'd like to see touchdowns down there, Mike. Yeah, we're back and look. I don't think I missed it, but he's got 12 in four games. That's the most in team history in the first four games. Tied for the most. Mike Vanajek had 12 in 2003. So, you know, kudos to him for, for, for doing what he has to do. But finish the drives. I think they're 28th or 29th in red zone efficiency, under 50%. You can get away with that as well against a Chicago team that was, you know, if Nick Foles was an upgrade, then Trubisky really been bad because it, they, they, it just didn't happen. But when you play these, you know, we're going to see Cleveland uh, later on with Baltimore and Green Bay. Three's not going to do it. Generally speaking, three's not going to do it. And they've, they, they've, again, we can talk about it later, but they've got things on offense they've got to fix. Really good to see Blankenship making these kicks, but they've got some drives. Certainly when they get inside the 10 that they're not doing. Yeah, it's kind of surprising for a team with, you know, one of the best offensive lines in the league, a big, powerful back like Jonathan Taylor. It almost seems like they need a a go-to receiving weapon in the red zone to kind of make the defense play a little more often, you know, honestly, and not just stack the box against the run because that's kind of what's happening right now. And the Colts have, don't really have that next big answer as far as who their red zone guy is. Um, but we'll get back to the game here. The Colts begin the second half with two straight three and outs. Uh, thankfully, Indianapolis defense did their thing like they did all game. They forced Chicago to punt twice to start the second half as well. 
Indy then put together a 10-play, 54-yard drive that was aided by a 27-yard catch by Marcus Johnson on third down and a 16-yard catch run by Jordan Wilkins on third down. Um, The drive then resulted in, you guessed it, another Rodrigo Blankenship field goal. Uh, This one was from 44 yards out, his longest of the day. Um, Going forward here, both teams exchanged three and outs. Uh, The Colts offense went three and out four times on Sunday. Um, I get the Bears defense is good. It's one of the better defenses in the NFL. Um, But if the Colts want to be one of those contenders, they got to play better on offense. Um, So it's 16 to three at this point. The Colts, uh, there's about 13 minutes left in the ball game. Chicago's driving the ball down to the Colts 26 yard line when it's intercepted by rookie safety Julian Blackman. Julian played one hell of a game on Sunday. Uh, The rookie looks like a steal of a third-round pick. Um, You know, I I remember at the time, a lot of people were like, who's this kid? You know, the injured defensive back. Is he a corner? Is he a safety? Chris Ballard knew what he was doing. Um, The rookie's been thrust into a starting role with Malik Hooker out, and he looks great. Um, After that interception, the Colts take the ball and go on a 13-play, 66-yard drive that stalled at the Bears' 12-yard line. Uh, Blankenship would then send his fourth field goal of the day through the uprights, making it 19 to three ball game with a little under four minutes left. Uh, Chicago then goes on a big garbage time drive. A lot of Allen Robinson on this drive. He ended up capping it off with a touchdown. David Montgomery got the two point conversion, kind of making the game look a bit more competitive than it was. Uh, Chicago went for the onside kick. Trey Burton fell on it and the Colts would then kneel out the game and win 19 to 11. Uh, Before we get to takeaways here, there's a few injuries we need to talk about. Very concerning. All pro linebacker Darius Leonard left the game in the second quarter with a groin injury and did not return. Frank Wright said the team will evaluate him as the week unfolds. Um, You know, we saw last year Darius Leonard missed some time and other players stepped up, but the Colts did miss that big playmaker, that guy who makes those few plays that changes the game. Mike, if Darius Leonard can't go heading into Cleveland, that's going to be a, that's going to be quite the loss. Yeah. I think most of the way they compensated yesterday was they went with an extra defensive back. I don't think another linebacker took snaps yesterday. Other three main guys. Uh, And again, with, with the growing, you just don't know of, Kenny Moore had a groin early in training camp, and he missed about two weeks, three weeks maybe. So you just don't know. Uh, we did an update, and then uh, with Rock, you seen uh, on that last drive, did something. We don't know what it was. I watched the play again. He, he tried to reverse field real quick, plant and reverse field, so we don't know what that is. Frank really didn't give any information at all on that. Uh, and again, as good as this defense is playing, you need your people. You, you need your main people. Uh, they're, they're playing well for a reason. Uh, and to lose, if you lose Darius, which I would assume, listen, I, I just don't think it's safe to assume he doesn't play this week. He'll rock your scene plays because you've already got T.J. Carey was in, uh, with a hamstring in practice. Last you just can't get too deep into your depth chart. Yeah, Rock Sin. I mean, the, the Colts had just got him back after he missed the previous two games with the illness. Um, still, I mean, not Mike, did we ever receive any more clarity on that illness or is that just what it is? And we're moving on. Yeah, very little. They said he had a procedure, uh, 
So, you know, whatever. So, no, we don't. It's still non-football illness or injury, whatever they call it. So uh, they're going to fall back on HIPAA and not give us any information. All right. Well, Rocky Sin certainly made his presence felt in that game. He had a very good, I remember the pass breakup on third down early in the game, and he just played tight coverage all game long. He is uh, an, a very good, I would say, above average cornerback, at least when he's out there. So that would be a loss for the Colts. Um, not to look too far ahead, and, you know, we'll discuss this more on Thursday's pregame show, but the Cleveland Browns Pro Bowl running back, Nick Chubb, was placed on IR today with the MCL sprain. Uh, he hopes to return at some point during the season, but will miss uh, this upcoming Sunday's game against the Indianapolis Colts. So the Colts will not have to face Nick Chubb. Um, of course, Kareem Hunt is still in that backfield, but one of that, you know, two-headed monster will not be there this Sunday. Mike, let's talk about some takeaways. I mean, I think the big one is this Colts defense has been dominant. Uh, you wrote an article, I believe published last night, about just how dominant that defense has been. They held the Bears to 269 total yards on Sunday, and 90 of it came in the that two-minute drive at the end of the game. Uh, they stuffed Chicago's run game, 28 yards on 16 carries. Uh, Mike did the math for you. That's 1.8 per pop. Uh, 28 yards was the fewest allowed by Indy's defense since 2009. It's the 10th time in franchise history the defense has held an opponent to 28 yards or fewer. Um, and then you kind of you kind of run down the list here. I mean, while one sack and one interception might not on paper really stand out to you, the defense had nine tackles for a loss and five passes defended. So while they didn't quite have those sacks and interceptions, they were still making plays. Yeah, they just made it really, really hard for Foles to get into any kind of rhythm. Uh, was there Justin Houston? One of these days we'll talk about it. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. I find a way to keep him. I realize he's on the wrong end of thirty. But I tell you, when you get a guy that's going to give you ten, twelve sacks a year, you keep him. Uh, you know, DeForest Buckner played well again. He's just he just creates. Stuff he just gets inside and creates problems. Danico Autry, I like the way this defense is playing. When you can get pressure up front, primarily without blitzing, it seemed like it was primarily with the front four. He just lets you do things on the back end. And you talk to any quarterback when you have that that second half a second less time to do things, you're gonna make mistakes. You know, only the one interception, but there was passes off target or whatever. So I tell you, they're going to see better quarterbacks going forward. But let's, I mean, Nick Foles was a quality quarterback. Kurt is a quality quarterback who's played pretty well every game this year, except one. I, I, you know, I'm still, everybody says small size and all this. And at what longer a small sample size? We've got 25% of the season done. And this defense has played really well. Now, I do really want to see what it does against a Cleveland offense that dropped 500 yards and 49 points on Dallas. Now, whether that speaks about Cleveland or Dallas, probably both. But uh, <laughs> if, they come out, if they come out of this game and they can keep the Browns in, in, in you know, kind of under control or at least not going crazy, I'll be very impressed. Oh yeah, I think uh, I think I saw Dak Prescott's on pace for like six thousand yards because he keeps having to chuck it because his defense uh, made a paper out there. Um, right. I mean, more impressive stats here. 
the defense, is, the Colts defense now has allowed 56 points in the first four games to start the season. It's the fewest points they've allowed in the first four games since 2013. The fourth fewest in the Indy era. I mean, after giving up 27 points in week one, the Colts have allowed just 29 points since. And 22 of those came, um, you know, on gar- those kind of garbage time drives. Actually, I believe is more like, let's see, uh, 16 of those points, excuse me, came in garbage time where both Minnesota and the Bears kind of had a touchdown and a two-point conversion um, when the game in the fourth quarter was, you know, put away pretty much. So the defense has been great. They've yielded uh, four, 945 yards. That's about 236 per game, which is the fewest in four games to start a season in the Indianapolis era and the third fewest in franchise history. It's also the fewest four-game uh, yield to open the season in the NFL since 2010 when the Baltimore Ravens um, held opposing teams to 843 yards in the first four games. I mean, four more teams play tonight, but the Colts' defense currently ranks first in yards, passing yards per game at 159, points allowed at 14 points allowed per game, and interceptions with seven. I mean, and this is a defense that's missed their, you could argue, number one number one outside corner, Rocky Sin, for two games. This is a defense that's still waiting to get Kamoko Ture back. I mean, if they can get him healthy to rush opposite Justin Houston, look out. Um, I mean, it, it, it's hopefully they can stick to it, no major injuries, and just be one of the best defenses in the NFL, Mike. One thing that Frank always talks about, people tend to roll their eyes, but when you play defense, stop ball, stop the run. They're giving up 77 yards, 3.6 a carry, and you can make a team one-dimensional. The Bears never got it going, never got it going, and they tried. You can keep a team from, from establishing a run. And of course, the, what the Browns have, 307 yards or whatever it was. So that, that's going to be monster. All right, looks like we lost Mike there, but we got him back a little bit of technical difficulty, so excuse us for that. But Mike, we were just talking about how this Colts defense bases itself on stopping the run first. Yeah, they're giving up 77 yards a game, 3.6 a carry. And, and, and that's what you want. You want to get teams one-dimensional to where they just can't, you know, keep you guessing. And when you do that, that's when you turn your, your defensive line loose and really pressure a quarterback and, that's what you need to do moving forward because you've got some teams that are going to want to try to run the football with Cincinnati and Baltimore, on and on and on. So it's very encouraging. This has been a good run defense since Eberfuss has been here. I mean, they, they really have been. So there's a lot to be encouraged about, and that's one thing because, again, I remember back in the day when the Colts had trouble with running. When you can't stop the run, it's hard to play defense. Absolutely, but um, switching gears here to the offense, neither quarterback looked sharp in this one. Uh, Phillip Rivers specifically missed several throws on the day. There were a few where he just kind of skidded it near his receiver's feet. Um, and stat line, he finished 16 of 29 for 190 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, but Khalil Mack dropped an easy one that was tipped up in the air. I mean, that could have changed the game. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's exactly why he plays defense on that one. Um, the Bears also held the Colts' run game in check. The Colts finished with 103 yards on 38 carries, 
That's just 2.7 yards per attempt. Even if you take away Rivers' uh, three kneels to end the game, Colts still only averaged three yards per carry. Uh, and the offense finished with a season low 289 total yards. Philip Rivers, after the game, said, We did enough and we did what we had to to win, but certainly some things to clean up. Um, you know, I kind of get that mindset. Your defense is playing great. You're not going to press it, not going to force anything. Thankfully, Rivers didn't have that bonehead turnover that could have gave the Bears some life. But, Mike, I mean, you just really hope the offense can get it together and show a little more than it has so far. Yeah, and again, I, 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 I'm not going to sit here and bash the offensive line. This is still one of the top offensive lines in the league. But I will say, then start playing like it. Uh, the, the one stat that is just boggles the mind, the Colts are 22nd in the league in rushing yards per attempt. That's crazy. That's just absolutely crazy. They've had uh, 11 negative rushes in the first four weeks. They had seven at Chicago. Uh, when, when it's, and a lot of them on first, first and 10, 12, said at second and 12 or second and 13. And you just can't have eight, nine, 10 negative plays like they did against Chicago when you take it into account. Also, there's a six yard loss pass behind the, in the sacks. It's just too hard to play in this league behind the chains. So, uh, they're going to give us all this rationale. Well, you know, the first play of the game wasn't it when Taylor had a, what was it, 12 or 13 yard run? It was a holding penalty. And I do it one later on. But but you just you just can't rely on, on, on those type of things and say, well, it'll get better. Well, again, it's a short sample size if you want to say that. But again, we're a quarter into the season, and this running game doesn't resemble what it did last year. And I still would like to figure out or have them explain to me how they're using Jonathan Taylor. I don't understand it. I had the one big, big heavy game against was in Minnesota. But after that, it's been it's been mix and match, and he's got 65 carries. And I, I just don't understand if if you believe he can be your, your future back, then featuring. And I don't know whether they're saving for the second half of the season or what it is. And again, I realize we're only a, a month in. I'm a little surprised how little, relatively speaking, they've used Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, it, it almost seems like they just they want Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins to be bigger factors. And, I mean, they both had some nice plays on Sunday. I'm not saying they're bad players, but Jonathan Taylor is clearly the best running back in that backfield. I mean, he, he averaged four yards a pop um, while running the ball, 17 carries for 68 yards, um, had, you know, several of the Colts' biggest plays of the game on some nice runs. And just he just looks great every time he's out there. Um, someone who has not looked so great this season is T.Y. Hilton. And, Mike, I'm wondering if it's just time to expect less out of T.Y. He got three of five targets for 29 yards on Sunday. Hilton has not topped 87 receiving yards in a game since Andrew Luck retired. Um, you know, I know he's a talented player and, you know, he's still figuring things out with Phillip Rivers. They haven't had a lot of time to connect, but, you know, you start to wonder a little bit, maybe that luck to Hilton connection was special and it's not so much that Hilton can just 
get it done and be that same player without his partner, Andrew Luck. Who, you know, they just had that chemistry that was so, so excellent. Well, I think that the streak now is 17 straight games without 100 yards. Uh, and and, and just a couple of plays, again, the, the 45-yard touchdown, you know, into the sun. And, and they've had a few more. There were a couple of plays yesterday. That they really could have had some big plays off of it. They just didn't. So, yeah, I, and that's what's missing in this offense. It just really is. It are those top plays when it's not Malali Cox down the middle of the field. So, uh, I, I, it, 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 are we expecting something that's not going to happen? I still believe he's going to have his occasional big games, but we're, maybe we've seen the, the, the last of those, you know, eight catches for 160 yards because it's been a long time since we've seen one of those. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully he can get it together moving forward. He's certainly a piece that the Colts need to get going if they're going to be that complete offense that they look like they would be entering this season. Um, Mike, any more takeaways that you had from this game? No, just again, you get used to, to that. It's very encouraging how this defense is playing, run defense. And it, it's, you know, I, I guess if after four weeks when you're three and one, given my brothers, I would rather have my defense playing really well, I mean, elite, and the offense missing things and, and not being in sync as opposed to the other way around where the offense is putting up. 30 game and, and the, but the defense just has, hasn't got a clue. I think that I think it's easier to fix the offense than it is the defense. But again, the small sample size uh, caveat, I think we're past that. They need to get this offense fixed uh, pretty quickly. Moving on here to the offensive and defensive players of the game, a few candidates that stood, stood out. Jonathan Taylor, um, he led the team with 79 total yards, 68 on the ground, and he also had one catch for 11 yards. Uh, Zach Pascal led the offense um, in receiving with 58 yards. That was on three catches. And then my boy, Rodrigo Blankenship, accounted for 13 of the Colts' 19 points, 4-for-4 four four on field goals, plus an extra point. Um, I'm going to start. I, my offensive player of the game, kind of default, by default, goes to Blankenship. Uh, he just did his job. He did what he needed to do. And, I mean, if, if he wasn't so, you know, on his kicks, that might have been a different ball game at the end there. Uh, who's your choice, Mike? Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. I mean, it, it, you kind of want to go to Taylor, but he really didn't assert himself till late on that last drive, I think, in, in, in part because I just don't think they gave him a chance to get any kind of rhythm. So I'll go with Blankenship because, again, like you said, if, if he's not on point and if he's not making his kicks – then the approach they took wouldn't work. You can't be less aggressive if your kicker is not making his kicks. I realize they weren't stressing him on distance. So, yeah, I'd go with Rod. I wouldn't feel too bad about it. All right, moving on to the defensive side of the ball now where the candidates are a lot more exciting. Uh, Justin Houston had a hell of a game. Four total tackles, two of them for a loss, one sack and two quarterback hits. Um, Anthony Walker stepped up well when Darius Leonard um, left the game with an injury. He had 11 total tackles. And then the rookie safety, Julian Blackman, he had just one tackle, but he was a force on the back end of that defense with three passes defended and an interception. I'll let you go first on this one, Mike. Who's your pick? I'm taking the rookie. Uh, and, and it's not to dismiss Justin Houston because all he's doing is making a sack game, making a playing game. And, and when he makes plays, they matter because they're the impact plays, but 
snap count sheet, uh, two guys, three guys played all the snaps. Harry Willis, Xavier Rhodes, and Julian Blackman. So, so, so much for uh, pitch counts or rip counts. And this is a guy that, that practiced for, in, in a full practice for the first time last week. Uh, he, he's making hits. He's drawing the ball loose, interception. I like what he brings. Whether that's just useful exuberance, I don't know. But he's bringing an attitude to the back end they haven't had in a while. Oh, yeah. I got to go with Blackman as well. I mean, there were several times where the Bears pass catchers had the ball in their hands and they were about to make a first down and Black would come in with a hit and jar it loose. Um, his interception was a huge play in the game. If Chicago had scored a touchdown on that drive, we might be talking about a different ball game right now. So I'll go with the Blackman as well and I hope he can keep it up on the back end of that defense. And I mean, it's probably not the case because he was still injured at the time that this decision was made. But at this point in time, the choice to not re-up Malik Hooker's fifth-year option isn't as much of a head-scratcher with Blackman playing the way he is. Um, kind of looking at the AFC South now, we're a quarter of the way through the season. Uh, where we stand right now is the Titans lead the division at 3-0. and Of course, they've played one last game than everybody else because their game was postponed. Um, they'll play Pittsburgh later in the year. Um, Indianapolis is second with three and one. They've won three games in a row now. The Jacksonville Jaguars are third after losing to the previously winless Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. Uh, their only win of the season was week one against the Colts. So they might just be the Colts slayers for whatever reason. They've had the Colts number over the last few years. And then the Houston Texans are last in the division. 0-4. They lost to the previously winless Vikings on Sunday at home. Uh, the Texans have had a very difficult schedule to overcome. Kansas City, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and then Minnesota to start the season. It does not look like Houston will repeat this year as the AFC South champions. I mean, Bill O'Brien's certainly on the hot seat, to say the least. Yeah, and now you're hearing some rumblings coming from the locker room where players are just not happy with how they're playing, whether it's J.J. Watt or whomever. So, you know, it's... People around the league don't care, but but they have issues. And, you know, if they seem to be missing that big play player on offense, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> so, so you, we talked about that in the offseason. So, uh, you know, it, it's they've done this before. Was it a few years ago? It was, what well, was Frank's first year when they went less and then they came into the Dome and escaped with that with that overtime game. So, uh, I, I, I just, I just, don't think they've got what it takes offensively or defensively to recover. What I want to see is, and we saw it with this with Tennessee having a game postponed. I, I don't believe for a second that's going to be the last time that happens. So what does happen when a team plays 15 games or heaven forbid 14 games and the Colts or somebody plays 16? Uh, this is not going to be a fair season and I want to see how how it, it plays out when teams don't all play 16-game seasons. Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting. I mean, it, right now they can kind of give teams a week off and say, okay, now you're going to play during your bye week. But if it happens again, you know, and there's no extra bye weeks to replace uh, a year. Well, what, 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 there is talk or, or speculation or whatever that the league is prepared to have a makeup week in week 18. Uh, but again, to, to, to 
this isn't the last time this is going to happen this year. Year like no other, that is for sure, or at least we hope there are no other years like this going forward. That'll about do us do it for us today on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Be sure to join us on Thursday when Dave Griffiths joins us to preview the Colts' trip to Cleveland to take on the three and one Browns. Um, hopefully, we'll definitely try to have these technical difficulties shored up by then. And um, I mean, there's no way those Browns are putting up 49 on the Colts. I'll make that prediction and I'll put money on that one. But um, the question is, I don't. I- That's fair. Fair enough, Mike. Fair enough. Well, uh, you can help us out by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. If you have any Colts or NFL-related questions you'd like us to answer, hit us up on Twitter, at ColtsBlueZone. We'll respond to you on the podcast. We'll respond to you on Twitter. And um, you can follow us there all week for all the latest Colts news and tidbits. Uh, I am Joe Hopkins. You can follow me on Twitter, at RotoStreetJoe. Mike Chappell, you can follow him on Twitter at mchappell51. And we'll see you on Thursday, Colts fans. <laughs>